Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our partners, the Beautiful Game Network. You can see their stuff at bgn.fm. And Firebird Rising. You can find their stuff at firebirdrising.corair.com. And we'd also like to thank our new sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. And now, let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns. Jeff Went is not here, but you will get to hear his thoughts on the Phoenix versus Red Bulls match, along with his post-match interviews with Coach Carterone, with Colin Hernandez, and with Billy Forbes. You'll hear that at the end of the show, but Kyle Mackey is right here right now. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dominic? Doing fine. Uh, we've had so much news this week. Great match yesterday, and the best news is probably something that happened off the field. Yeah, we uh, woke up to pretty big news yesterday. We have a new owner amongst our ranks, uh, Alex Zhang. I don't know if you want to touch on his background a bit. Sure, I'll get into it. So Alex Zhang, he is a member of the Nice ownership group. That's a team in Liga in France. Uh, they, they're playing in Champions League this year. I think they're still in Europa League. He also is a part of the ownership group of Barnsley in the English Championship. But that's not all he's uh, about. He also is a big-time Asian hotel developer and is a big member of the Platino Hotel Group. This is a hotel group he helped form, and it's one of the biggest hotel chains in Asia. He is a billionaire, as the Sports Illustrated headlines noted when this story was announced. And he also has some Arizona ties. His daughter was born here, and I think he has a house in the Phoenix area. So this guy um, just announced on Saturday morning he is joining the Phoenix Rising Board of Directors. He's joining our ownership group, and he is the billionaire owner that we had been looking for. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think this is, this is what we all were hoping for to get to MLS. You know, we, we all know we needed a big money investor to get Don Garber's attention. We've seen it play out in Miami and Nashville and even LAFC. So I think this is really what Phoenix needed to get the soccer world's attention and to get MLS's attention as far as an expansion bid is concerned. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this, I think, bodes extremely well for us. You can tell by the way it was covered in the immediate aftermath, a lot of the big national outlets, the big soccer publications and Sports Illustrated get this story within one hour of the Phoenix Rising team release. And it, it's reminiscent of Nashville last year, how they won the press war, how they got everyone to 
talk about their latest billionaire owner and their latest stadium site. And I think there may be some stadium renderings in the next couple weeks. So just, you might want to keep your eyes and your ears open for that. That's just something that we've heard potentially in the next couple weeks. Yeah, those those would be really cool to see. I'm excited to see with uh, what they've come up with now that we know that Populous is going to be our architecture firm in Gould Evans. So it'll be it'll be very exciting. And what does this do for MLS odds? I mean, I think this kind of solidifies us as a front runner now. Personally, I think that without the billionaire backing, we didn't have as much clout as say FC Cincinnati or Sacramento does but I think now I think we've overtaken Sacramento as that team fighting for the spot in the west I really do I think Cincinnati's still going to be good competition for us I mean just on the sheer fact that they're getting 20,000 people out there nearly every game you know attendance is really huge and as far as MLS is concerned but I think this is going to be what gets as far as the west is concerned this is going to get us a shoe in yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with that. You know, I think spot 26 is going to come down to Cincinnati and Sacramento, but probably Cincinnati. Uh, the roster moves that they've made indicate that all they need to do now is just choose one site. But as far as us versus Sacramento versus potentially San Diego or St. Louis or any other eastern cities, Detroit comes to mind. I think we're ahead of those places because... If we get a stadium rendering in the next two, three weeks, now we have a billionaire owner. Now we have hard stadium plans. Now we have, I mean, we've already had the land that we need for this kind of thing. We already have the partnerships and a front office who has a good relationship with MLS and MLS owners. So all the pieces are in place. Then you throw in the fact that Phoenix is a great TV market. The fact that there is a large and growing Hispanic population, all the things that MLS would want in a market, the fact that there's no team within 300 square miles, so it would be a great chance for them to expand their footprint. Everything makes it look like Phoenix is a slam dunk. The only reason we weren't a slam dunk before is because we were missing this big investor to come in and bolster our group. Now we have that investor. Now we're going to get stadium renderings. At this point, I think Don Garber has to put Phoenix in MLS, probably at spot 27, because, you know, other than Cincinnati, I just don't see any other any other cities that, you know, maybe Sacramento, but, you know, all things considered equal, Phoenix has the billionaire investor, Sacramento doesn't. Phoenix has the better market and the better demographics than Sacramento, plus no teams in Arizona three already in California, and one an hour and a half away. I think, other than Cincinnati, we are looking really good. I would be stunned if there's not MLS in Phoenix by 2021. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think 2021 is a realistic goal when it, when it comes to um, talking about this kind of expansion. I think... I think you're right in that Cincinnati could get it first, but it'll be interesting to kind of see how it develops over the next couple of months. I mean, we saw Nashville basically came out of nowhere, so if Phoenix could kind of win a similar press war, I I think we could potentially move up to 26, but we'll have to wait and see. We will, but I think I think the outlook is looking fantastic, 
And, you know, maybe before we skip past this subject, just talk about a little bit more of what Alex Zing brings to the table beyond just being rich. I mean, from my perspective, his his tourism and hotel background, that's that's going to be huge because the way the way that I kind of th- envision it, Phoenix Rising has this massive plot of land. And I mean, there's nothing to say that maybe the tribe's not interested in selling more of that land to a developer that would like to build a hotel for a work, live, play kind of situation near the stadium. You know, you just, you don't really know what is going to happen with that land. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a hotel that's put in for the traveling teams and traveling fans. And I think that his background is just as valuable as his checkbook itself. Yeah, and uh, I think everyone in the front office agrees, and that's why he's part of the group now. So, very exciting times for Phoenix to MLS. Uh, very exciting times for fans of, you know, soccer in the Phoenix and Arizona area in general. Um, with that being said, it's probably time to get to the match recap for our match against New York Red Bulls last night. It was a great one, exciting from start to finish. And do you want to talk about the starting lineup first? Yeah, so the starting lineup that we came out with last night, we had Zach Lubin in net, and then we had uh, Amadou Dia, Joe Farrell, and uh, Duigi Mala, and Cody Wakasa to round out the back line. In the, hold on, give me a second. In the midfield, we had Kavon Lambert and... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name. Fernandez. Yeah, Colin Fernandez. Colin Fernandez. That's what it is. Yep. And um, next to them, we had Awako and Asante. Who Asante? I was really surprised. I mean, I I knew they said he was small, but I mean, he just looked so much smaller compared to those Red Bull players. But he he definitely made an impression. His speed and the movement on the ball and off the ball was just was awesome. And then up top we had Johnson and Drogba, and it was it was an interesting lineup in that Drogba started. I think some of us kind of expected he would uh, come off the bench, but I think being that we were taking on an MLS team and starting off the Sun Cup, I think they uh, kind of wanted to get the crowd and the fans into it. So I was happy to see Drogba out there. I think a lot of people were really thrilled to see Drogba and. As we've mentioned before, he is quite the showman and, you know, he definitely wants to compete against elite competition. And New York Red Bulls had a very strong lineup themselves. I saw Bradley Wright Phillips in their starting 11, Arizona native Luis Robles in their starting 11. That's their starting goalie during the regular season. So they really took this match seriously, and this was a great competitive game against what was mostly a first-team New York Red Bulls lineup. Yeah, I mean, they really did put out a strong lineup, as you said, and to see players like Bradley Wright Phillips and Luis Robles out there and uh, Colin in defense, it was... It was really nice, you know. I think I think fans were surprised that they got to see those quality players out there, being that it's preseason. Definitely, so... Moving into the match itself, we get things started 
at 7 p.m. local time. And, you know, not too much going on until the seventh minute when out of nowhere, Phoenix Rising gets a very interesting lead. Yeah, it came off of uh, an own goal off a New York Red Bulls defender. It was it was kind of a weird occurrence. It was Awako was head, moving fast down the flank, and he just kind of crossed the ball in towards the box, and it just took a deflection, and it, it kind of just floated over a helpless Luis Robles, and he just couldn't do anything but watch it fall in the back of the net. Yeah, but uh, we'll take it. Yeah, it was uh, Aurelian Cullen, the Red Bulls defender, that was tracking back and just took a weird deflection around his ankle area, you know, from over 20 yards away from goal, and the ball just pops up, goes right down the middle, over his keeper's head, and perfectly into the net. Um, You know, one of the more bizarre goals you'll see, but hey, like you said, we will take it. A phenomenal start, and that puts us up 1-0 after 7 minutes. And then, oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to say that after that, I felt like the crowd and, and the players themselves, we really got into it. After that, we had a few we had a few uh, solid chances throughout the first half. I think that first goal really motivated us. That was the impression I got, too. Um, but then as the half wore on, I mean, as expected, Red Bulls did have most of the possession. But the Phoenix defense had a great shape. They were allowing some possession, but they weren't allowing too many clear-cut chances for the Red Bulls. And a lot of that had to do with Kavon Lambert. Kavon Lambert getting involved, making some nice passes out of the back, getting a couple big-time slide tackles. He was my man of the match when he was in. And, you know, if he plays like he did last night, he is going to be an immense player for us all season long. Totally. I think... I think that we've only begun to see the potential that Kavon Lambert has. I think last season he really showed that he's he's one of those young guys that plays with a certain swagger and maturity. And, I mean, w- when you see him on the ball, just his, his confidence and his ability to pick out a pass, it's, it's awesome. No doubt about it. And one other cool thing, we really, it wasn't even just Lambert. I think the team in general did a much better job passing out of the back in last night's match than in some of the matches last season. I'm sure it was a point of emphasis this offseason and having a full training camp. It really showed. You could definitely tell there was marked improvement. Yeah, yeah, you didn't see as many interceptions in our own area as, uh, as we used to, I thought. So going back to the match, not too many chances for Red Bulls. In the 27th minute, Bradley Wright Phillips actually gets a header opportunity. Comes off a cross, and he almost puts it in, but it goes wide. They did have a couple shots on goal, but really nothing that threatened Lubin until the 37th minute. And in the 37th minute, just a well-worked goal by the visitors. Kamar Lawrence, another regular starter for the Red Bulls, crosses the ball to Alex Mule, and he put it past Zach Lubin the rising keeper, and the game was tied at one. I don't know who was supposed to be marking Mule on this play, but he got up above everyone without too much opposition and uh, buried that header. It was very much a short-range header about six yards away from that, and Lubin had no chance. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone was gonna be stopping that ball. I mean, he was he was the only one up there, and he got great contact with his head to the ball, and that was that was always destined for the net. Right, but after that, nothing too crazy. We get to halftime, one-one, and a really strong performance. I think this first half lineup was mostly starters, no trialists, and you know some new acquisitions some old faces they looked pretty good the only thing was and of course it's very early in the preseason Drogba looked maybe a little bit slow last night I think there was one opportunity in particular a player got a deflection on the ball and it kind of bounced towards his path I think if he was anticipating it a little bit better he would have been able to get the first touch before the keeper could have been a goal right there but in general, I really loved the performance. Great defensive shape. But what were your thoughts? I agree completely. I think I, I kind of saw what you saw where I think there were certain occasions where, yeah, Drogba maybe lacked some of the form that he had last season. But I think that, I mean, this is his first preseason in, in a few years. So I think that this is going to be a good experience for him, you know, getting his fitness back and making sure that he's ready to finish the season so I think that I think that it'll come with time all around I thought it was a really solid defensive performance defensive performance especially against a team like the New York Red Bulls I mean we've seen them they're a top contender at MLS and they know how to score so for us to only concede one I think we uh I think we played very well that we did so we get to the second half and right away there's a very different lineup the only player that stayed on the pitch for Phoenix Rising was Zach Lubin, the keeper. Otherwise, it's a totally different team. Victor Vazquez playing left back. One of the trialists playing left center back. Uh, Mike DeFonte, a new signing on loan from Colorado, was the right center back and the right back, another trialist. Then for midfielders, you had um, Devin Vega, a third trialist. Billy Forbes, Chris Cortez, Alessandro Rigi, and Kevon Freider. What were your thoughts about this group of players? Uh, this group, I thought they brought a lot of energy. I mean, when, when they came out on the field, I, I think it really kind of caught the Red Bulls' first team off guard. I mean, they had played that whole first 45, whereas these guys just came on fresh legs. And, I mean, we were so quick, it seemed like, to get into the balls first and just our movement and our passes. I really thought that these guys, they brought a lot of energy, a lot of speed to the field. And I I loved seeing the Billy Forbes, Devin Vega, Kevon Freider connection. The three of them on and off the ball, they just, they, they move it awesome. Right, two of them being former teammates in San Antonio and the third being a very prolific goal scorer with Colorado Springs last year. Shouldn't come as too much of a surprise, but it's really cool to see it for the very first time in person. Hopefully we get a lot more of that during the season. Um, so we we move into the second half. Before we do, don't you know one of the trialists? Yeah, actually, I, I believe he was trialist number three. Uh, Evan Waldrip, he's attending GCU right now. He's, uh, I believe, is a center attacking midfielder or just an attacking midfielder. Um, yeah, he's 
he's had an interesting journey. I know he played at uh, like Real Salt Lakes Academy down in Casa Grande when he was younger and attended Creighton University and is now playing for GCU. So it, it would really be cool to see a, a local product make the team, actually. Well, they're at least giving him a shot, right? Yep. Um, so we'll see if he gets other appearances. But going into the second half, uh, first few minutes, Rising did have a lot of energy and a surprising bit of possession. And a chance in the early 50s when Billy Forbes got past a defender, got one-on-one with Robles, and had a shot that was only a little bit parried by Robles. And the ball was just trickling towards that that far post and, you know, on the far side from the supporter section. So we didn't get the greatest view of it. But it looked like it was going to trickle just inside the post and it just missed, not by more than a foot or two. Um, Would have been great to see Forbes open up his account with a goal in the very first game. But you got to love the fact that he had such a good chance. Yeah, and I, I think it was one of those that uh, on another night, it may have gone in. So I think with him, the key is just going to be consistency. If we keep getting him the opportunities, he's going to score. Exactly. So the game moves on a little bit. Rigi gets a yellow card in the 55th minute. New York Red Bulls really not testing uh, Zach Lubin too much or the back four, and the back four doing well when it needed to. And... You know, the game looking pretty good for a 1-1 draw. Maybe we can snatch a second goal. And in the 71st minute, we actually get that goal. Devin Vega, the very young addition from San Antonio, got past a couple defenders with some nifty dribbling. This is a goal that Phoenix Rising showed a replay of on its actual Twitter account. Um, You know, with some nifty moves from Vega. And then he slid a low ball to Gavon Freider, who... Just timed up his run perfectly, and he was just able to slide the ball into the left corner. No chance for Robles to make the save. All of a sudden, we have less than 20 minutes from a big-time preseason win. Yeah, I mean, this would have been huge to win at home against an MLS team in preseason. Um, I think the entire stadium, the atmosphere at that time, I mean, we were all just pumped and and rooting the boys on to victory. This goal, like you said, a a low cross in from Vega, it was really, it was really nice to see him get on the ball and make an impact so quickly. Only 25 minutes after coming onto the field, it was really, really nice to see. And, you know, it goes to my point last week where unlike most fans, I think, Kavon Freider is going to be the team's leading scorer this season, and it's because he was able to score quite a few goals with a team that didn't give him enough service and didn't give him great opportunities. Now he gets to play with guys like Devin Vega off the bench, with Alessandro Rigi, with Solomon Asante, with all of these people that are capable providers, Gladson Iwako, and the list goes on. I think he's going to take his chances well. He is a true goal scorer. He's young, too. He's only 23 years old. Um, I think he's got a bright future ahead, and I can't wait to see him take advantage of chances like that uh, because that was a really nice, cool finish. Yeah, I mean, if he keeps making runs like he did last night, I I agree with you. There's nothing stopping him. So going into the last 15, 20 minutes, 
Uh, I think we forgot to mention there was one chance earlier where Chris Cortez uh, had a really nice chance. I don't know if it was Vega that played that ball in, but uh, Cortez had a chance with part of the goal open. He just couldn't keep it on target. Would have been a pretty nice goal, pretty tough chance as it was, but um, we end up going ahead 2-1, and then we get into the last 10 minutes, and the Red Bulls do apply more pressure here, and then we get to the sequence that leads to the tying goal. Five corners in a row. One of those corners, the third corner, uh, they play a ball in. It looks like a Red Bull player just kicks it out for a goal kick. The ref says that it touched a rising player, which allows them to continue the pressure. And on the fifth corner, the ball isn't fully cleared. And that sets the stage for the tying goal right at 90 minutes. Uh, what were your thoughts in that moment? I, I thought I thought that it was it was frustrating to see that third corner or the fourth corner, I guess, be taken place after we clearly saw that it was not a corner kick. But I can't be too frustrated because this is going to be a great learning experience for the rising. You know, there's going to be times in the season where that happens, where we have four or five corners against us, and we need to be able to lock in, cover our man, and prevent the ball from going in the back of the net. So I think this is going to be a learning experience for them, and it's going to be something that needs to be worked on, but not something that I think we need to be too concerned with. Right. And, you know, credit to Vincent Bezicourt, uh, that's the Red Bulls player that drove past two or three defenders, a lot of tired legs that late into the uh, the sequence of just having them camp down in R18, and uh, he was able to work a really nice shot uh, just inside the left post. Not much that Lubin could do. That was just a really nice goal. Uh, what was What added insult to injury, so to speak, is about a minute or two later, uh, the ref awards a free kick to Red Bulls just outside the box, and it's a play that looked really similar to the penalty kick that a ref awarded San Antonio FC. Same side of the field here last year um, when it looked like the player was really diving for the most part. Minimal contact, if any. And uh, the guy goes down and the ref awards it. So that gives them a free kick. Fidel Escobar slams it in. And the Red Bulls, with their last kick of the game, win the match 3-2. What were your thoughts on that sequence? It was, it was one of those fouls that I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, but I think that's mostly because it was against the team I was supporting. It could have gone either way. Some refs will call it a foul, some won't. Um, I did think Zach Lubin was maybe a little slow reacting to that shot, but as you said, it was late in the game, tired legs, and maybe he couldn't see it through the wall. Maybe, you know, maybe he got screened on it. So there's definitely um, no no reason to blame him for it. But it was definitely a letdown. But then again, I mean, we held our own against an MLS team who played pretty much their starting lineup the entire match, and in the last 45, we had in mostly second-string players. So to end up with a result like that, you can't be you can't be too upset. No, I think you said it best off-air, and I think I had another friend say the same thing. I think a tie would have been a fair result. 
Um, Red Bulls created a lot of chances, and it would have been hard on them to lose, considering one of the goals they conceded was a weird own goal. Uh, that being said, our players had a fantastic match. Uh, great work rate for almost everyone in red, and kind of unlucky that we fell on the short end of the stick, but uh, I think there are a lot of positives to take from this match. Um, what are one or two that just jump out for you? Um, I mean, just the fact that we got off to to goal-scoring start. You know, last season in preseason, we, we really didn't score very often, and it was kind of a concern, and it was something that actually plagued us in the beginning of the season, too. So to see us scoring, that was really nice. And our, our just our defense. I mean, our ability to string passes together, and like you said, in the first half, they really they really kind of locked down, and they, they allowed the Red, Bull, Red Bulls a few opportunities, but not, not too many clear-cut dangerous opportunities, and that was really, really good to see. Yeah, definitely. I don't I don't think there's too much shame in, you know, the two goals that were conceded before that very last one. I mean, you know, one of those great cross and header second one, really nice work to get past a few defenders. Um, so all in all, a great result. I think a lot of the guys performed very well. Um, that's and we got two more matches against MLS teams this week two more the week afterwards, so I think we're going to, if we play like we did yesterday, we're going to get at least one win from those matches and a lot of good moments from it, no doubt. Yeah, totally. Totally. I agree. I think I think this one coming up on Wednesday, I think we could really look forward to it and, and uh, I would not be surprised if we get a win. You heard it here first, Phoenix Rising favored against Colorado Rapids and potentially Tim Howard. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great to see. (laughs) Yeah. So going on to some team news, a lot of stuff came out on Saturday and there were a couple droppings during the week that seemed confusing in the moment and then it made more sense after we heard the full story on Saturday. So, you know, two players added to the roster because two players that we thought were going to be on the roster won't be on the roster. So explain that whole process. So my understanding is Ya Frimpong failed his entry physical exam. What I heard was it was an existing injury that hadn't really healed up like anyone had expected, and he still, it was still bothering him. So it was one of those things where it kind of just was the wrong place, wrong time. Um, as far as John Burner is concerned, he has a long-term injury, and I believe he's being placed in that injured reserve spot that came with the new ML- or the USL rule change this season. So that'll be nice that we'll actually get him back at some point. And since those two were out, we ended up picking up Mike DeFonte, as you highlighted earlier, uh, defender on loan from Colorado Rapids. And then to replace John Burner in net, we got Zach Lubin, who was playing in Sweden last year. Yes, we did. And Lubin, you got to see on... Actually, you got to see both those guys um, on Saturday night against the Red Bulls. I have no doubt that those guys are going to feature for us 
on several more occasions as the preseason goes on. Um, I mean, this is a great example, I think, of two things. One, the depth that we have in our squad. Because for a lot of USL teams, having your you know a potential starting goalkeeper and a probable starting right back suffer either long-term injuries or so long-term that you fail your physical and can't make the team, those would be crushing blows. But because we have so much depth and because we have a front office that is able to find replacements in creative ways, you know, they get DeFonte on loan from Colorado Rapids. They get Zach Lubin, who was playing in Sweden last year. Because they're able to find these creative solutions, it minimizes the impact of those injuries. And, you know, we are so fortunate to have that kind of uh, front office and this kind of squad depth. Yeah, it's it's a great kind of solution to a difficult problem. You know, it's not something that, that you really want to see as a fan. But the fact that our our uh, ownership and our front office and the coaches themselves know how to handle the situation and make the best of it, it's really reassuring. Absolutely. So we'll let you know if there's any more team news in the upcoming week, but that's what we got for now. Um, some interesting USL scores. We actually shared a uh, link for all of the USL preseason scores around the league. Uh, check the Rising as One Twitter uh, feed if you wanna if you wanna find that link. I think USL also tweeted it, but if you wanna go there, just check out our Twitter profile at Rising Pod. That's one of our most recent tweets, and it's just a link to every preseason score around the league, which is awesome uh, to catch up on how some of our friends and foes are doing. Uh, I think preseason central. Uh, some of the interesting scores that we did see on there, you know, a lot of matches were played yesterday and today. Um, yesterday, Las Vegas falls 2-0 at home to Montreal. They make their on-field debut of those controversial uh, black home jerseys, uh, which personally I liked, but I, I know I'm in the minority on that. Um, and it was actually a good match. They were 0-0 for most of it. Uh, 0-0 into the 62nd minute, I believe. But then the match unraveled pretty quickly. Montreal scores two goals. One of them's an own goal, and then a red card for Vegas. So it ends 2-0, but 10,387 fans at Cashman Field for that match. Did you have any thoughts about it? I mean, that's that's awesome. That's... Uh... I'm really happy for them to see that they get that kind of turnout, you know, for for a first match. I think that that's going to be that's going to be huge and uh I really think that they're going to have one of the better home crowds in the Western Conference. I really think that I mean the fans in Vegas, they've kind of been looking for sports to get out to and you know they have a hockey team there now. They're going to be getting a football team, so why not go support your soccer team now? So I, yeah, I think that's I mean that's a great turnout, and the result maybe isn't isn't what they were hoping for, but like you said, when when a red card happens in a match like that, things can uh, things can happen very fast. Exactly. Um, and I'm looking. Here's a score that's pretty fun. Uh, this one actually just happened today. 
San Antonio FC 2, FC Dallas 0. So they get the home win in San Antonio, and uh, that's got to be a great result for them, a great result for USL. And, uh, you know, in case anyone was wondering, will San Antonio be a contender? Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, that kind of sends a message, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, going out and beating uh, an MLS team in preseason and FC Dallas at that, a strong MLS team, yeah, I mean, that speaks volumes about uh, what to expect from them this season. No doubt about it. Uh, a couple other scores that, you know, the USL sides didn't win, but at least you see some interesting crowds. Uh, Nashville falls against Atlanta United 3-1, to but a large crowd over 9,000 fans make it for that match. Um, by the way, the Phoenix Rising attendance last night was over 6,600. Uh, it was in that range, around 6,600, a little above that, and that's I think our stadium with standing room has a capacity of 7,000. So a very good crowd, sellout. I mean, the fact that uh, a lot of that attendance actually included standing room, I think just about all the seats were filled. So uh, really nice to see that in Phoenix and really nice to see that in Nashville too. Um, Respectable performance, but, you know, going up against Atlanta, you're probably going to end up on the short end of the stick there. Yeah, I mean Atlanta. We all know they have so much firepower. They're they're one of those teams that it's it's really difficult to stop their attack. So not often that you're going to be able to come out with a win against them. Um, a couple other preseason matches that you know might tell some stories and not necessarily in a good way. San Jose four, Reno nil. This match was four to nil at halftime yesterday. Um, so probably not the start that Reno 1868 was looking for. And I don't think Dane Kelly was on the pitch for that match. Um, what's the situation with Dane Kelly? You know, that's that's a really good question, Dominic. And I kind of think that's what a lot of people that follow the USL are asking. Because to have your Golden Boot winner not active on a roster is it's kind of confusing you know I'm, I'm wondering what's going on there maybe he's negotiating a new contract maybe he's looking to go play somewhere abroad i mean i i really don't know what's going on but the fact that he has not been playing for reno and has not taken part in preseason tells me he's most likely not going to be staying there yeah and the fact that they have you know a ton of strikers on the roster um, let's see, I'm trying to find the Reno, uh, roster, and yeah, sure enough, he's not listed as a sub or a starter, so, you know, the gut reaction has to be that he's looking for a home if he doesn't have one already, and, you know, without him, I think Reno takes a step back, I think a lot of people are thinking that, um, another match that isn't too flattering, even though it was last weekend. Uh, we missed this one. RGV hosts Houston Dynamo on Saturday, February 3rd, and it ended RGV 1, Houston Dynamo 9. And, and that's, 
I mean, that's got to be one of those games that it, if you're RGV at home to lose that badly to your MLS development big brother, I mean, that's that's humbling. I, I really kind of wonder what the state is at RGV right now. I, I can't see them making their way up the table this year. I think they're going to be a bottom dweller. Yeah, the, the popular clubs that people talk about at the bottom, you know, Timbers 2, Sounders 2, Galaxy 2, and uh, it looks like RGV is going to be right down there with them if they can't improve on that kind of performance. Uh, one team that has a couple good performances, uh, Cincinnati had a 1-0 win in Florida against Tampa Bay Rowdies yesterday. And then earlier in the week, they got a 1-1 draw with the New England Revolution. So, since he has made a lot of offseason signings, um, they got rid of Heinemann, which was a big deal for some people, but they're trying to make a splash, and so far, it's looking good. Yeah, I, th- I think what we were talking about earlier, they've, they have the highest payroll in USL and have signed the most players. So I think they're really looking to improve upon a solid side they had last year. Yeah, and uh, so far so good for them. Um, I think if you guys want to see any more scores, be sure to go to that preseason central link. Um, the USL tweeted it out on their Twitter, and then we tweeted it out uh, just Sunday morning. So go give that a look if you're interested. Bookmark it if you really want to keep going back to it. But I think it's time to go to our supporter section questions. And, you know, we had three. They were all phenomenal questions. So let's get to the first one. The first one from Nick at N-P-E-R-Y-E-A-12. You're starting 11 after last night. Mines, and I think he mixed up the first and second lines, uh, but Forbes, Freighter, Johnson slash Rigi, Drogba, Lambert, Fernandez, and then at the back, Dia, Mala, Farrell, Cody, and didn't list a keeper. Um, if if you switch those first two lines, then it looks like a 4-2-3-1, which is how we came out last night. And what are your thoughts on that 4-2-3-1 look? I, I think... I think that's going to be our approach on the road. I think we'll stick to four two three one. We all know Carterone likes to play defensively and uh, get through the first half whole. Um, personally, I would like to see my my starting eleven is a bit of a four one four one, and the way I have us lining up is Carl Wisniewski in net, Cody Wakasa, Duigi Mala, Joe Farrell, Amadou Dia, in the holdings defensive midfielder type position, Kavon Lambert, and then in the midfield, I focused on speed here, Gladson Owako, Samuel Asante, Billy Forbes, and Jason Johnson with Didier Drogba up top. That's my starting 11. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, I think, I think it comes down to what the formation you want is. And I think yep. if we're going in the four-two-three-one, then I would agree perfectly with that back four. I think you're probably going to see um, Carl start in that, and then defensive midfield, Kavon Lambert, of course, 
but I'd prefer to see, um, I would prefer to see maybe Gladson Awako back there at defensive mid, or maybe Solomon Asante. I know he likes to get forward some, but I'd, I'd like to see someone a little different than uh, Colin Fernandez, who, in my opinion, seems like he could be a higher player. Um, that could work, though. I mean, it's it's just tough to put all these midfielders on the pitch because we have so many of them and so versatile. As far as that front line, I love Forbes on the left wing. I think you have to have him there. You know, personally, if we're going 4-2-3-1, you know, Freighter in the, sh- in the middle, sure. But then I'd like to see, you know, Rigi or Asante at that top right spot. A speedster who can give deliveries in there. Maybe even throw Devin Vega in that spot sometimes. And then I want to see Jason Johnson up at the top as the one. And then Drogba can come off the bench. I think if you're looking for the best starting 11 right now, I don't know if Didier Drogba is, a, is the best starting forward option right now. Uh, maybe by opening day he would be. But I want to see, you know, Johnson continue to develop. I want to see Freighter continue to develop. And Drogba would be an amazing weapon to have as a super sub off the bench. So that's just me spitballing. But, you know, it depends. We've often done 4-4-2s, especially last season. So if you're doing a 4-4-2, you could go Dia, Mola, Farrell, Wakasa at the back. Then you could do, it would probably be, it would probably be more like a diamond, right? Um, yeah, yeah. That's or 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 potentially like that that four one four one where you know the the one is just the stalwart defensive mid and Lambert, then the other four, you just have to kind of figure out where the pieces fall. But you got to have like Forbes, Freighter, and then maybe maybe Rigi Fernandez, some sort of combination up there, and then you could put. Johnson or Drogba at the top. Um, yeah, no, I, I could see that. I could see Forbes and Rigi on the wings with maybe Freighter and Fernandez in the middle and, yeah, Drogba or Johnson up top. That, that would totally work. I know we talked about having a three-man back line. I just don't expect that to happen anytime soon with Carterone. He seems to be pretty committed to four at the back. Yeah, I, I think barring an injury... I, I don't think we would see a three-man back line. I think we'll stick with the four-man. Right. So the next question, a really good question from Pedro Gomez at the guy in the G. What are other opportunities other than helping their MLS? What are other opportunities other than helping the MLS bid? Oh, this this maybe wasn't uh, written out the best. What are other opportunities other than helping their MLS bid have opened up from the investment from Alex Zhang? Do you feel he's the perfect investor that Phoenix needed other than him being a billionaire? Um, So I think he's trying to say what other opportunities have opened up from the investment besides just helping the MLS bid. Um, And then do you feel he's a perfect investor? I think we touched on this already. And the answer is, the short answer is, yes, he's the perfect investor. And yes, there are a other opportunities why do you think he's the perfect investor and what opportunities Uh, um okay so the perfect investor from my standpoint is someone who's cares about the sport which we all know he he care he knows soccer he cares about soccer he owns interest in two other teams one being nice 
a French powerhouse. He's local. He, like you said, his daughter was born here. He, he owns a home here. So he's familiar with Phoenix. He cares about the city of Phoenix. And he doesn't just have a soccer background. He has a whole background in tourism in the hotel industry. So to have that kind of experience when you're trying to build an entire soccer community is it's going to be huge. I think that's he is going to be influential in many, many of the changes that come to this franchise. I have nothing to add there. That was a perfect answer. <laughs> so <laughs> well, the, the last question comes from Pat Moses at Goalie Man Pat, member of the Red Fury, who made an appearance several weeks ago. So thanks for this question. With Rising getting the deep pockets investor they have been missing, there's no doubt, or with Rising getting the deep pockets investor they've been missing, it no doubt helps the MLS bid, but could we see another higher profile signing to bolster this year's squad due to it? I, I don't think so, unless we go out and sign Dane Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think our squad is... Our depth is so filled to the brim. I don't think we'll need to sign another big signing this season. In future seasons, I think definitely he will influence possibly a player coming from England, maybe someone from France, maybe someone from China. I think that he will definitely have an impact on that. But as far as this season, I don't think we have any more big signings. I will agree with you. And I kind of don't want any more big signings. You know, a lot of the best teams in USL are really good because there's a lot of consistency. There's less turnover than, you know, a lot of the other teams surrounding them, especially certain two teams where you're getting just a brand new roster every six months. So I, I, I think that we are filled to the brim with talent, and I worry that if we bring in another big name, it, one, could become more of a distraction, and two could disrupt the chemistry that we seem to have. I mean, we've had this group of guys basically locked down for a few weeks now. I mean, Kevon Freider gets added before training camp starts. But now training camp's already started. Now preseason's already started. You know, if we have to add a guy or two here and there because of injuries, that's one thing. But if we go out and get someone, like, on March 9th, I'm, I'm worried that that would become more of a distraction it would throw a lot of the tactics into flux and it could lead to some on-field struggles i mean last year we were bringing in these big names just weeks if not days before the season uh in the case of you know like bravo and sean wright phillips they were coming in in march and it really took a long time for the pieces to all gel so i would prefer not to see uh another big signing i feel like we're at the perfect spot right now, and I don't want that balance to be shifted in any way, you know? I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I think, I think we have that chemistry, and I mean, just from seeing the interaction amongst the squad, I, I, don't, I don't think we need another big signing this year. I think that with, with the team that we have, I think we'll be set to make a, a deep run in both the Open Cup and the USL playoffs. Right, and there's there's just so many good, striving young players. It's tough to get 
all of those guys minutes. And then you throw another big signing in there, it could be even tougher to give those guys minutes. It's a great problem to have. I just don't want any new uh, problems coming up if we have a new signing. So I, you know, sorry if that's not the answer that uh, you wanted, Pat, or anyone else that's listening, but uh, I don't think we see any more big signings during this season. Yeah, not this season, but but hopefully next season. Right. So let's let's get into our our final thoughts, the stoppage time segment of the show. Um, what are your final thoughts after a very eventful week? Uh, MLS is going to come to Phoenix. I think I think it's now a matter of time. I think we all kind of have seen now that we have this owner and as you alluded to renderings should be seen hopefully sometime soon here and i mean we have the key demographic we have the tv market we have the land we have the team we've been filling our stadium i i think we check every box that mls has been looking for so now i think it's time for us as fans to show up to the stadium and show that even if we're sure thing for MLS, we're still going to come out. We're still going to cheer on the team. And I think the team itself, they need to show MLS that we can be successful and that we have a good on-field product. Um, as far as last night's game was concerned, I think it's it was a good learning experience for the team. I think I was really impressed just by the fact that we were able to lead against a top-quality MLS team. So for us to take them the full 90 and lose on a free kick that could have been stopped. It could have gone in either way. So I really think that it was encouraging to see the effort put out there last night. And we have nowhere to go from up, from here but up. Yeah. Um, you know, last night's match, any, any minor frustrations are just that minor. The guys had a phenomenal match. Defense, midfield, attack. All elements of the team showed a lot of promise. It was even a pretty decent game from Zach Lubin coming up with some saves. None of the goals against him were really his fault. So all around, great effort from the guys. And like you said, to go ahead against Red Bulls and then to maintain that lead for large stretches of the match, that's a great sign. Especially because they had, you know, some of these guys are new signings too. But you could really see the guys holding the shape that Patrice Carteron wanted. The defense was firm and resolute, except for a couple minor lapses. And that's pretty much expected against an MLS side like New York Red Bulls, who is so good at scoring goals. Um, as far as, you know, the Alex Zhang news, that's big. I mean, we said it before, but I'll say it again. That was the missing piece. That was the one missing piece in our MLS aspirations, and now that we have it, I think it's only a matter of time. I think it's only a matter of when, not if, and, you know, if we get those stadium renderings, or when we get those stadium renderings, then I think we'll really be talking about when, not if, and it's such an exciting time to be a fan. So, you know, just take it in, savor it, and enjoy those two matches this week that's all i got yeah yeah let's enjoy this moment while we can you got anything else to add um 
No, I think that was it. I know next week we're going to have an, in, an interview with Brett Johnson, one of our club's directors. So that'll be that'll be really nice to have. But I think that's it for this week. Right. So make sure to listen to that interview with Brett Johnson next week. We'll also have a lot of interviews from the two matches. We'll do recaps of the matches. Maybe not as in detail for either one, but it's going to be a great show. And be sure to stick around because we still have Jeff Wentz's thoughts on the match and his post-match interviews with Coach Carterone, with Colin Fernandez, and with Billy Forbes. Thank you, enjoy, and go Rising. Go Rising. Just thought I'd give you some thoughts uh, as I sit here after the uh, New York Red Bulls 3-2 victory over Phoenix Rising on Saturday night. Um, first of all, let's remember that this is the first preseason game, so there are a lot of uh, adjusting and getting to know certain players. But obviously the lineup that you saw in the first half might probably be a good idea of what your opening night lineup might look like. I mean, you saw Jason Johnson on the field. You saw Didier Drogba on the field. Uh, you saw Solomon Asante, Gladson Awako, Kevon Lambert, uh, you know, goalkeeping situation, you know, could still be in flux, whether it's Lubin, whether it's Dallas J, whether it's Carl Wazinski. Well, you know, we'll see where that fits down the line. But I think for the first half, you know, you saw what you might, you know, probably see on an opening night roster. Now, saying that... You know, New York did have a lot of possession in the first half, although the good thing is even though they had a lot of that possession, they weren't able to do a lot with those possessions. Obviously, scored the one goal in the 37th minute that evened the match up at one uh, before the end of the first half. Uh, you know, it, it was a good play, and Zach had no, no play on the ball, you know, to stop it for the goal, but... Uh, you know, finally a good run of play for the Red Bulls finally uh, materialized in that goal. But for the most part, you know, I thought they played a very good compact defense. You know, looked solid in the back. I thought Farrell and Duigi Mala did a really good job uh, in the middle, uh, keeping a lot of things away. You know, I thought Dia and Wakasa out wide did the things that they uh, were able to do. So, you know, I think you can take a lot of positives away from the first half. Second half, you saw some trialists. You saw some players that are new to the roster that come in. Uh, great play by Devin Vega uh, to get the ball to uh, <coughs> excuse me to get the ball in for the goal uh, to uh, to Kevon Freighter. So I, that was good to see. Unfortunately, Freighter picked up an injury at the end of the game, so he came out pretty much right away, and, and another trialist came in in his spot. Um, you know, sorry to see that. You know, but any good MLS side does what any good MLS side does. And you get a <coughs> excuse me. You get a goal from, you know, Bezencourt to tie it, and then you get a goal from Escobar sixty seconds later to win it. You know. Am I upset at the result? No, not really. You know. I'm okay with, with the result. I mean, granted, I, I think as a fan, we know for the most part that, that that was a, you know, for the most part, that's a 2-1 Phoenix Rising win over the Red Bulls. But, you know, 
you got to give credit where credit is due. You know, uh, any good MLS side is going to come back and do the things that they did. Uh, pressure, 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 and they, you know they made the pressure work. So let's not let's not take and dwell on, on too many negatives throughout this process. Let's look at the positives. Let's look at you know the fact that they did have a good, decent run of play in the second half as well. You know, saw some good plays by Billy Forbes. Saw some good play from Keon Freider. Um, and and I'm not too worried about that. You know, I, I think over the you know, over the course of this week, you'll see, you know, <coughs> changes with, uh, you know, with the Colorado game and changes with the Sporting game. And you know, you're going to see uh, Carterone do different things. You know, different formations, different ideas. Um, looking to find you know that right set of eleven that uh, that he's going to use throughout the season. So. Like I said, let's you know, let's take this result with a grain of salt. It's the first preseason game. You know, they will get better as they move along, and we'll see uh, where things go. And uh, so that's that's my takeaway from the New York Red Bulls game. It's obviously not about the result, but you would love to have seen the guys get a get a full result out of this game. Yeah, especially after leading to uh, to one few minutes uh, before the end. So I really always thought to. Uh, to concede uh, two goals uh, in the extra time, but uh, more than this, um, after only a few days of uh, training session, because we just started on uh, last uh, Sunday, I know that physically uh, it was uh, really hard to compete with this uh, very good team of uh, Red Bull. But uh, for us to work defensively, defensively especially, it was uh, a great, uh, great game, and also the atmosphere was uh, fantastic tonight with. Uh, all those fans uh, coming to support us, it's uh, really nice and it will be a good motivation for us to keep on working. Like you said, it's obviously early in the preseason. What kind of things are you looking for from these guys to see early here on? Uh, at first, you know, um, we need uh, we need to have some more players, as you can imagine, because we did play the second half with uh, many players on try. So it was uh, not easy for them, not easy for all of them. So they are, they are position, uh, position. We are still looking for, for some players first. But it, uh, it gives me uh, a better idea of uh, what we need for, for the next couple of uh, months and uh, to, to find the, the players that we need to, uh, to be stronger. Where do you feel right now are the types of positions that you're looking at to bring in players to make, you know, to, to make this roster a little bit stronger? Um, I think we need uh, we need a right back. We need also uh, another uh, midfield because uh, with Colin Fernandez and uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin uh, that are very good player, but we don't have enough uh, midfield players. So that's part of the thing we're gonna gonna work on. Obviously, you've got a few players on trial still that, that you're looking at as you go into games later this week. Colorado Sporting KC coming up. Are you looking for more fitness from these guys, or are you looking to see how these guys can play under the pressure of these games coming up? Oh, it will be um, all, all of this. Uh, we, we need to work everything, you know. Tactically, it's, uh, it's perfect because uh, we are suffering. It's logical. The, the, tactically, it's not easy against MLS team. And also, physically, like I said, most of those teams uh, did start the training uh, before us. So it's a fantastic physical work also for our boys so that have been uh, running a lot for 45 minutes. and. Uh, and I'm really happy about uh, what they did uh, tonight, even if uh, we would have preferred a better result. But uh, anyway, I guess the fans were happy, and, uh, and I'm happy too. 
talk, talk about the fans. You, six, you get 6,000 plus out here for a preseason game against an MLS side. What does that say about this town and how it has embraced soccer as well as it has? I, I really, um, when I came, you know, six months ago, I really had a very positive feeling and uh, most of the time uh, I think I have a good feeling and uh, what is happening uh, right now in Phoenix is fantastic, you know. The arrival of, uh, of another board member, very important board member coming from China, as you know, this morning and, uh, and uh, this season, I guess, uh, we really want, all of us, we want to give uh, to our fans a good result to play a better football. And uh, everything that is happening right now is Phoenix is really, really fantastic. Let's keep on working this way. Thanks, coach. Thank you. Hey, Billy. Hey, guys. Talk about the culture change now that you've come over from San Antonio to Phoenix and what you've seen so far. Uh, I think what I've seen so far is pretty great. Um, last year when I came play against the fans, I wanted a reason I moved here because they were really loud and I like it. Um, but other than that, I'm enjoying my life here, so it's been pretty good so far. What has Patrice kind of looked from you so far as what he expects from you, where you, where he might slot you, where he might play you, that type of? Um, well, as far as the coaching season, decision goes, it's up to him. You know what I mean? My, my job is to stay healthy, um, give him another option. If you want to bring me off the bench, that's fine. If you want to stop me, that's fine. So as a player, for me, it's, it's get my mentality ready, get myself ready to get on the field, whether I start or not. Obviously, you know, big change going from a, a such a, a big defensive-minded team in, in San Antonio coming over here to such an offensive-minded team. What kind of things has Didier kind of instilled in you guys coming out at the start of spring here? Um, Didier is a leader on and off the field. So for him, it's more like now we have um, a lot of pieces that they didn't have last year. I think this is going to be a lot of, you're going to see a lot of attacking-minded going forward. We're going to be more fast going forward. So. Talk about, you know, this is your, like you said, you played here once last year, but obviously getting your first full experience of, of seeing the fans here in Phoenix. Talk about talk about how, how big this is. Um, it, it was great tonight. Um, I, I enjoyed the fans and playing so far. Uh, I, could, I could tell it was going to be a great season for us. How do you, how do you kind of turn this around? I know you got short turnaround here with Colorado in four days, and then you get... Uh, Sporting KC coming in here after that. How do you guys get yourself ready? Well, for after those? all, it's just preseason for us. So, whether we we want, we would want to come out and get a win, but if we don't, we're just gonna learn from these guys because these guys are MLS guys. They're like top of the top of the top. You know, we got we're gonna learn from them. If we got beat tonight, we're gonna evaluate how we play tonight and come back on Wednesday and trying to get a win. Sounds good. Thanks, Billy. Just, uh, talk, we were talking about a little bit. So talk a little bit about you know first-time player here. Your thoughts of the atmosphere and how much fun was in the first half. I mean, the place was buzzing for 90 minutes. Honestly, um, it was great. It was fantastic. I mean, I couldn't. I felt like I was playing an open cup game. To be honest, uh, felt like the regular season. So I'm just looking forward. Can't wait to kick off. It was great. When you're when you're a new player and, and you're kind of getting used to everything, how encouraging is it when your first experience in the home game is as is high intensity as this one? I mean, it just gets you excited, you know. It, it motivates you to want to work hard to be the best, and we know that we can be the best, and that's what we're working towards. Obviously, you're learning from one of the best players in the world, Didier Drogba. What kind of things is he teaching you? to learn on and off the field to, to make you a better player? I mean, it starts from top to bottom. This man is unbelievable. 
he's in the locker room, amazing person, amazing guy. He motivates you, and then you step out to training, and then you're here to work. You're here to start, you're here to work. This is your job, and you're fighting for a spot, and it's competitive, and that's how he makes it. He wants to get the best out of everyone, and that's what he's doing. Obviously, you play the best of the best out here with Red Bulls. You got Colorado coming in a few days, Sporting KC. How do you take this and turn it around into a positive as, as you go forward towards the uh, USL season? Yeah, I mean, these games are fantastic for us. We have probably, if not the best, not the best, but the best um, preseason for a USL team. And that's only going to get us ready for the season. And we're going to be buzzing. We're going to be ready to go. And we're going to give these fans something to cheer for and the city to give something to go hard for. So, can't wait. All right. Thanks. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.